Local news, talk, sports, and the hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Kane 107.5. Welcome to Bayou Sports this Friday morning, uh, July the 15th, uh, for our daily uh, update on sport on the sporting world. Uh, first off, the top um, NFL news. Uh, there was uh, reports of what's next for Sean Payton. Uh, Cowboys, two other teams, potential spots for the coaches' return. Sean Payton somewhat surprisingly uh, stepped down with the coaching the Saints gig uh, last year. And while some unexpected, uh, or I should say expected him to pursue other coaching jobs, uh, whether available or not, um, he's staying away from the sidelines this past year. So while the Dolphins, you know, there was talk, Jeff, that the Dolphins were want to do a little triumvirate with uh, Payton and Brady. And I'm trying to remember... Uh, uh, Someone else was in on that deal, too, trying to uh, get the Dolphins to uh, get Sean Payton back into coaching. But the Saints still have the rights to him. And Brady, I think, is on a year-to-year contract with uh, Tampa Bay. So uh, interesting a development, too. Uh, they wonder if Payton's going to return. Uh, it's not going to be this year, but uh, it'll be his first year out of coaching uh, for a long time. But uh, we'll see what the former Saint coach has and uh, – you know, there's still talk that uh, he might be joining. Uh, I think he's uh, is he heading to Fox this year to do a little uh, analyst. Yeah, but but it's um, about as uh, small a role as possible. I think he's uh, going to be in the studio when uh, Jimmy Johnson is not. I think you're right about something that, like too. that. And you know, again, I think that's going to propel him back into coaching, if nothing else, because nobody really jumped at him uh, as far as the networks were concerned, and. It was a surprise to me, and I think it was a surprise to him, too. Yeah, well, my my, my uh, thought process is he's going to get back into coaching. Uh, I think he's someone that just can't stay away from the game, and it's pretty clear. Of course, there are the three potential destinations that uh, we keep hearing about are the Dolphins, the Cowboys, and possibly the Chargers of all teams. So the Dolphins, you know, they've been uh, – uh, uh, they, of course, they let their coach go last year, and they created, when they let Flores go, they created quite a, a kickback on him. And, uh, of course, reports about uh, Peyton and Brady uh, being together. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see Peyton and Breeze again. And Breeze, again, is another one that stepped back from NBC, and it looks like he's going to have another gig uh, soon. I had heard uh, Amazon is eyeing him for a role on Thursday night, an alternate broadcast where it would just be quarterbacks uh, analyzing the game. And Something similar with the Manning brothers are doing uh, with ESPN? Perhaps so, uh, maybe less comedic you know, in that line. And, you know, uh, certainly the Mannings went off on tangents, too, by design. Nothing wrong with that, uh, if that's what you're looking for. Uh, but I, I don't think that's necessarily where that particular show would go for Amazon show uh, or alternate game broadcast. Yeah, well, you know, the Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel. He's the new coach this year for the Dolphins, so something that's really drastic happened for uh, Peyton to be shipped down towards Miami, and uh, the Cowboys have long been rumored, you know, to be his next team, and Mike McCarthy is... uh, The thing about Dallas, and there is a thought process that he wants control full control over personnel decisions, and I don't see Jerry Jones doing that. You know, there's a lot of expectations in Dallas, and Dallas will have a new coach uh, if they don't live up to those expectations. Will it be Sean Payton? I'm not sure. And, you know, 
Jerry Jones sometimes can be his own worst enemy, too, uh, in that regard. Uh, I think Sean Payton's uh, football mind is a lot better than Jones. And uh, I think Jones, 30 years ago, got rid of the best coach he ever had and Jimmy Johnson. Uh, brought him kind of uh, chased him yeah you're right and here they were teammates at arkansas uh back in the mid-60s on uh, an arkansas team uh, that was undefeated i think their uh their senior years but uh J- jerry jones uh, he'll find a way and uh he's going through a few head coaches uh uh the last coach he had uh garrett was with him uh, what maybe eight to ten years it was probably the longest of anyone any tenure that uh since jerry jones had purchased the cowboys back in the late 80s so uh anyway jimmy johnson and uh no longer there uh don't hear jimmy johnson criticizing much though but jimmy, jimmy johnson said uh, i'm out of here of course the Chargers, the other destination uh their coach is airing year two and that's brandon staley uh at the helm but uh Anyway, uh, we'll see uh, where um, Sean Payton... had a bit of a breakdown last year toward the end of the season uh, that knocked him out of the postseason. Yeah, that's right. There there was that tie game, uh, the the possibility, if there had been a tie game between Las Vegas and the Chargers. But, you know, uh, they were close, but they were, um, you know, week eight, nine, they seemed like a mortal lock for the postseason. That's right. And it didn't happen. So, if, again, this team underperforms. I, I see them definitely uh, in a position to make a change, especially if Sean Payton's available. But Payton says he's not going to lobby for a job unless there's a vacancy. Okay. And, uh, of course, the Saints have a head coach in Dennis Allen. It'll be his first year with the Saints, and uh, we'll see how that's going to be without Sean Payton for the first time since the 2005 season, which was Hurricane Katrina. And uh, when the Saints... Uh, uh, Last uh, didn't have uh, Sean Payton in as the head coach. So uh, time will tell in that, Jeff. Uh, we'll see how that's going to uh, fly. In the meantime, uh, just uh, you think about that and you just wonder what's taking place uh, uh, with Sean Payton's head. And, uh, of course, you know, he got married last summer, uh, meaning uh, about a year ago, and with a new bride. And you wonder maybe he just wants to take time away and enjoy life a little bit and, and with his two children. I think they live up in Dallas. Not not sure where Sean Payton's calling home right now, too, to be very honest with you. At one time, it seemed like he had a home across the lake over in the Mandeville-Covington area. And uh, I think he even had a home in the Dallas area, if my memory serves me right. That year, remember when he well, was... Well, his ex, I think, was still living there. But you remember he was coaching his, uh, his right, son's right. peewee team when he was suspended from the NFL that one year for Bonnegate. And uh, he lived up in that Dallas area doing uh, 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 coaching of, uh, I guess, a peewee football team. Anyway, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, of course, uh, they got the Open going on. We'll talk a little bit about that a little later on. But uh, I, I have here maybe the wildest NBA stat ever. Uh, three NBA greats have something very strange in common. They never had an individual game, regular season or playoff, that matched their career stat line. And uh, LeBron James, uh, 27 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. There have been 23 such games during his career, most commonly by Russell Westbrook. Kobe Bryant had a 25-5-5 assist, having 41 times in his career, most uh, commonly by Derrick Rose. Michael Jordan, 30 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 20 times by 20 players. And and between the lines, what I'm saying is that that were their career averages. They never had a game with those numbers. That's that's a phenomenal stat that here they are, three of the most prolific scorers in the NBA history. And uh, 
just amazing that none of them had a uh, game where they matched their life, t- or I should say, career stats. Uh, that's uh, that's a that's an unheard of stat in itself in that regard, Jeff. Uh, unbelievable in that sense. I saw that and I said, uh, just something to report on, something a little different, and all. In the baseball world, um, you know, we've talked about it a little bit uh, with regards to uh, they're calling it the pie slice rule, and that's uh, prohibiting defenders from occupying a specific patch of dirt behind second base and how it works. They're going to put – I can't see this in baseball. Minor leagues uh, are going to put chalk, two chalk lines that will be drawn on the uh, infield behind second base, extending it from each edge of the bag to the outfield grass. The ensuing triangular patch of dirt will be off limits until the pitch is delivered. The idea is to increase hits up the middle, and you know as well as I do – you see the shortstop uh, for a left-handed batter over second How, base. Do they have a dimension? How wide a swath are we talking I, I, about? I, yeah, I was looking at this, and but it says two chalk lines will be drawn on the infield behind second base, extending from each edge of the bag. That's right, 18 but, inches. In the bag, 18 inches. Yeah, but they're not doing it straight back. Uh, you said pie shape, so I'm guessing... There's a width of that top of the pie. Yeah, and I'm not sure how wide it's going to go. I mean, because in theory, you know, if they're trying to promote hits up the middle, you know, again, putting pitchers at risk. But, you know, the second baseman shortstop could be just to the left or right of second base and be outside that pie. That's right. So, again, I'm guessing it's just a small wedge that they're talking about just to make it clear Two infielders on one side, two infielders on the other. Now, I do believe they're still going to allow an outfielder, like in those situations where there's a runner on third and Less than two know, outs. the game is tied or the go-ahead run is uh, possible and they want to abandon the outfield because a deep fly ball is going to be uh, a sack fly anyway and the winning run scores. Sometimes you see that uh, outfielder, one of those outfielders, come in and almost play an infield position I think that is still going to be allowed. It's just right. minimum to maximum. Hey, if you want to stack uh, your left fielder in the shortstop position, you could have three infielders on one side, but you better have two on the other. That's right. That's right. I think, I don't know, you know, if you have a, like you said, if the pie shaped is pretty small, with that, uh, you've got to hit a rocket up the middle. You know, some yeah. of those three hoppers are not going to get through with a shortstop or a second baseman on either side of the base. So uh, it's got to be a rocket or just some kind of uh, line drive over the pitcher's head into the center fielder. But uh, uh, they're trying to, I don't know, uh, with baseball, the more it seems like the more they try to uh, change the game, uh, the more they hurt the game, just my opinion, as being a true to traditionalists in baseball like i have so uh they they kind of testify in that other sports uh already have similar rules like the nba's neutral zone infraction the nba's restricted area under the basket you know defenders can't take a charge and if the defender violates the pie slice rule the hitting team can choose the outcome of the pitch and the outcome of the play or the automatic so we'll see the minor leagues have tested other shift limiting rules and three other major experiments are in place with the larger bases to increase steal attempts and infield hits and pitch clocks would come to major league baseball in 2023 and robo they're talking about in 2024 that's going to be interesting, I think, with the robo-wumps, you know, with the strike zone. How do they determine, uh, you know, 
the highs and lows of batters can be 6-5 and 5-9. Uh, yeah, you, you see that box on broadcasts, and again, that box means nothing other than for viewers to try and understand if we're not. Uh, I, I, I don't see why you need that box to see if you think it went over the plate. But but again, is that box at the front of the plate? Is it toward the back? Uh, you know, again, a ball can sweep across. It can look like it's out of the zone uh, in one direction and right. caught out of the zone in the other direction just because it's a sweeping curveball or a slider. Yeah, you're right about that. So um, anyway, uh, like I said, the more that, to me they seem to change the rules. I've never been of uh, affectionado of the DH. I think pitches should hit. That's, it's part of the and, game. And that's gone, though. Yeah, you'll never see and, that And again. quite frankly, in the first 80, 90 games, nobody has really said, gee, I miss pitchers hitting. Mm-hmm. And there hasn't been a big outcry. It's sort of gone, and it was expected. And while you can sit and, yeah, I, I just don't see a lot of gnashing of teeth over the loss of it. I, I wish it had not changed. I wish it hadn't changed in 1973. That's right. But but the fact is, it's here. Every other league has done it, does it. Uh, in fact, sometimes it's an even worse situation where, you're hitting for the second baseman because often, say at the high school level, your pitcher uh, is generally one of your maybe better athletes anyway. Right. So the DH is, you know, for whoever else. Uh, yeah, one of your poor hitters on yeah. the team and your DH for him. But uh, I don't know. I just think that uh, it's part of the game. It's strategy. Uh, your pitcher comes up. Uh, does he bunt? Does he uh, sacrifice? Uh, just a lot of things come into play. Uh, do we change our pitcher because oh, oh, he's that, coming up? Th- that is. That used to be one of the things that kept a pitcher longer in the game. That's right. But I don't think they care about that anymore. There's so much specialty pitching (laughs) that I think the DH doesn't really affect that anymore like it used to. If a pitcher goes five innings, I think the manager goes, oh, good, now I can get to my sixth uh, inning reliever, my seventh. And, you know, years ago they carried 10 or 11 pitchers. Now it's I think they're allowed 13 and 14 pitchers on the team. Yeah. You know, so uh, anyway, that comes to all into play. Uh, quickly, in the Open Championship right now over in St. Andrews, uh, Dustin Johnson is in the clubhouse. He uh, he's he got a, a nine under total. Uh, he's five under on the day, uh, along with Scotty Scheffler uh, at eight under. He was four under today. Uh, Tyrell Hatton uh, eight under. Cameron Smith, uh, first day leader, was he just started. He's on hole number three. He's three under for the uh, today. He's eight under in the tournament. So Taylor Gooch, Adam Scott, and uh, Patrick Cantlay, along with Cameron Young, all tied for a fifth, along with uh, Sai Woo Kim. So uh, uh, happening over. Hopefully uh, Monday we'll have a wrap-up of the Open over in uh, Mario, Scotland. I should say England, but Mario, Scotland. So uh, we'll see how that all comes into play and all. A whole bunch of Americans at the top of the board, though. Yeah, you're right about that. And uh, playing well. I hadn't, hadn't heard anything about the old 17th road hole. Uh, see how players uh, were doing. Uh, quickly, just a little tidbit, maybe before we take our first break. Uh, the javelin is making a comeback. You know, it's been popular in this area, but which has long been disappearing from high school programs because of per- the perceived danger with, you know, hurling a uh, a spear uh, 180 feet, 200 feet. So I still have a scar, a wad of tissue on my back because some kid wanted to play javelin with a broken broomstick. Uh, and, uh-huh. uh, and used you as a yes. shish kebab, so to speak. 
Anyway, 22 high school state championships this year featured the Javelin, which is an increase in five states in the past six years. That growth has been driven by the state high school athletic associations. And, uh, in fact, there have been uh, fewer catastrophe uh, Javelin injuries since 2013. There were four. Then in pole, vault, pole vaulting, they had five. And uh, the Javelin has returned. The U.S. has nearly four times as many Olympic track and field medals and uh, second place Britain there's been no thanks to the javelin and uh, you know the javelin uh, you know you've got to stick it in the ground and uh, I think uh, some records have been broken I think uh, the athlete of the year a track athlete of the year and uh, was a javelin thrower from Jesuit high school and uh, one little bit of note uh, Michael Landon the former uh, Bonanza host and uh, <laughs> house in the prairie you know, you know he got a scholarship to USC for throwing the javelin he was a national champ back in uh I think the early 50s, and he had an opportunity to sign with SC, USC, that is, in Los Angeles. And uh, that's how he got out to uh, the West Coast. And uh, I guess his good looks and his athletic ability, he ended up with a few movie pictures in uh, the Bonanza, and the rest is history as Michael Landon threw the javelin. That's how he got out to the West Coast back in uh, the early 50s. I did not know that. Yeah, and he had a, he, that's not his real name. Of course, well, a lot of actors, I'm trying rare. to remember what his name was uh but uh, uh was a ja- high school athletic uh, javelin champ in new jersey amazing huh there, there you go anyway let's take our first break you listen to cane radio fm 1075 and am 1240 we'll have more with bayou sports right after this is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one hi this is jake blanchard with la classic roofing we're a third generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years as a locally owned and operated company we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Hey, guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there this Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for sports. No bar with more outdoor seating. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer now just $2. Imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. And don't forget, Quarter Tavern now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. At Arsenal Ford, we're making it even easier with our Ford Mobile Service Van. For your convenience, we have a mobile service solution for you. You provide the vehicle, and I'll handle the rest. Ford Mobile Service. We make it easy at Arsenal Ford. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. 
Welcome back to Bayou Sports on FM 107.5 and AM 1240. Uh, as uh, we mentioned, Jeff, a uh, little uh, lo- local hometown news here as uh, Kayshawn Booty uh, had a little, they had a little press release by LSU and uh, looks like he'll be wearing uh, number seven for the Tigers this year instead of his usual number one. You know, I, I didn't know that seven, I mean, I know seven's been on a lot of outstanding players. You think of number 18. Uh, the last 15, 20 years, that has been a thing. And I guess um, a player changing his number, I'm, I'm comfortable with that, uh, but Kayshawn apparently is. He'll wear number seven. It's supposed to be the best playmaker on the roster, uh, and certainly Booty uh, would seem to fit in that category, uh, especially if he can be healthy this year. 38 passes, 509 uh, yards last year, nine touchdowns but just six games yeah played half the yeah. half the games uh this past year yeah he's he's due for a really big game if lsu can settle upon who their quarterback may be uh you know there's a discussion uh, they've got like four on the roster they're all vying for that uh starting position uh with brennan the transfer from arizona state uh, along with freshman uh howard from uh st thomas moore and there was I'm trying to remember who the fourth uh, young man uh, in line for an opportunity to be the uh, starting quarterback. So, Gusman, is that it? I think Gusman was the other with the fourth. So, uh, news out of Baton Rouge this morning uh, in that regard. Kayshawn Booty will wear number seven. So, By, by the way, he said it was to be chosen to wear this legendary number is an honor. I'm excited to be back on the field with my brothers and go to work this season to do it in number seven. True blessing, uh, following in the footsteps of some of the greatest players in LSU history. Not always um, not always an offensive player. In fact, it began with former cornerback Patrick Peterson, been worn by Teran Matthew, uh, did get worn by Leonard Fournette, safety Grant Delpit, cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. So, Booty, uh, the fourth wide receiver to get the number, d- joining DJ Chark, Jonathan Giles, and Jamar Chase. Um, Unusual history with that position, though. Giles stopped wearing the number as he struggled during the 2018 season. Chase never used it after opting out of the 2020 season. Uh, interesting. So a combination. Uh, uh, you know, who says football players aren't uh, uh, <laughs> have uh, their own uh, suspicions? You know, baseball players uh, don't walk on the line and don't do this and put their shoes on first and a lot of suspicions uh, uh, with that. And uh, we'll see how that transpires come the fall. But Kayshawn Booty, New Iberia, uh, fine athlete. Uh, I look for him to have a big year for the Tigers, too. Let's hope so. Yeah. In the meantime, a little baseball further. <laughs> we mentioned uh, the Kansas City Rawls, 10 of them don't make the trip to Toronto because they were not, not inoculated with the with the uh, virus uh, COVID uh, shot. So they go with they uh, bring up some kids from the minor leagues and they take down the Toronto Blue Jays 3-1 to one with 40% of their active roster missing from the game. Yeah, and uh, again, uh, new manager there. Won his first game as the interim manager. Oh, that's right. That's right. Let but, the Blue Jays let their manager go. Yeah, that, that was the day prior. So this was, the, like I said, the second game without the new manager. And, you know, Andrew Benetetti, one of those players uh, who was uh, not vaccinated, couldn't make the trip. Now 
The Yankees uh, were thinking about uh, bringing him in. Now they're divided because he wouldn't be able to go to Toronto, and they still may have a couple of series uh, across the border. Oh, that's right, too. Uh, they're they're in the same division, so we'll see how that's going to play out. But uh, interesting that, uh, you know, you know, this is the first, you know, you saw Kyrie Irving uh, miss 41 games in the NBA, and later the uh, – uh, the mayor of New York uh, pulled back on that, and I think he ended up playing in most of the uh, playoff he games did. at home. So uh, just strange that uh, here he is playing on the, all the road games in all the other communities and cities. And, uh, so Toronto. Yeah, Toronto. I wonder <laughs> sure. how many games they played in Toronto. And they, uh, they would three play or four, one. maybe. One would be scheduled. Uh, but, but, again, let's see. Unless they're in the same division, I think they are, aren't they? They're both out east. I don't know. Yeah, if in maybe the same not division. because you got the Celtics along with the Knicks. Yeah, uh, I'm more of a metro division. Yeah, there. Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. So uh, anyway, but uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, that's that's more in line with uh, an Eastern Coast type uh, conference. And also the Washington Wizards, uh, the, those teams. So I think even Miami might be in that uh, particular Eastern League. Um, elsewhere, anything else before uh, possibly uh, today in sports history? Yeah, feel free. All right. Uh, today in sports history, of course, July 15th. Interesting, in 1815, the first flat horse race held in English race jack in Chantel Ham, uh, Nottingham Hill, uh, wow, didn't think horses ran uh, on flat racetracks, but the first time was in 1815. 1876, baseball's first official no-hitter. George Bradley of the Browns uh, no-hits the uh, Hartford Dark Blue Blues. I wonder if that may be the future Boston team. 1901, New York Giants' Christy Mathewson no-hits St. Louis. Mathewson was just a tremendous pitcher back in the day. Lost him early. He was... Got mustard gassed in World War One and died just a few years afterwards. 1912, American athlete Jim uh, Thorpe is placed in top four in all ten events as an Olympic record of points to win the decathlon gold medal at Stockholm Olympics. Uh, the medal stripped in 13 the year later, but reinstated in 82. In 23, U.S. men's uh, golf uh, Inwood Country Club amateur legend Bobby Jones captures his first career major championship. I think Jones was 20 years old at the time. In 1927, British Open men's uh, St. Andrews, Bobby Jones again retains the title with a wire-to-wire, wins by six shots. 1960, uh, Baltimore future baseball Hall of Famer Brooks Robinson goes 5-for-5, including the cycle in the Orioles' 5-to-2 win over the White Sox. In 1996, after 2,216 consecutive games at shortstop, Cal Ripon goes to third base and plays a game. Of course, he went on to play in 2,632 straight games, beating the Iron uh, Horse, uh, Lou Gehring, uh, who had 2,130. Today's birthdays, Alex Karras, the NFL um, Detroit Lion actor uh, George Webster. Mongo. That's right. Uh, you took the words out of my mouth. Born in Gary, Indiana. He passed away in 2012. Played at Iowa. Won the Outland Trophy his senior year. It was also the 1957 NCAA wrestling champ. And remember him, of course, as Mongo on uh, Blazing Saddle. 1935, Don Clendenin born on that date. He passed away in 05. Uh, you remember the shoe shine on the ball in the 69 uh, World Series against the Orioles. Uh, Gil Hodges runs out the dugout saying that uh, Clendenin was hit on the foot by the baseball. And the ump goes and grabs the baseball. And there's the black 
shoe polish on the baseball and they're awarded in first base. And, of course, the Miracle Mets go on to beat the Orioles in five games to win the World Series. Our quote of the day by Frank Sullivan. Sullivan was a baseball pitcher with the Red Sox in the 50s and a pretty good one at that. Uh, a lot of people probably can't remember him. Uh, we got a guy on our team who has such bad hands, his glove is embarrassed. <laughs> I'm trying to think who on a Red Sox team was that bad of a fielder then. I'm wondering if you maybe be talking about Ted Williams. What would be the field. timeline? Oh, I'd say from 51 to 57, somewhere in there. I wonder if Ted Williams out in left field, they say he had a lot of trouble with the wall, the green monster Williams. He, you know, he could hit uh, 350 every year, but uh, had trouble fielding balls off the green monsters. So, uh, anyway, I got a team such bad hands, his gloves embarrassed. That's got to be the best. I'd still like that. Google try to see who he was talking about, and I couldn't find it anywhere in uh in uh, Google. So, anyway, uh, any final thoughts uh, today? Just um, it was a, a note of history. Uh, Jim Thorpe stripped of his 1912 gold medals because he'd been paid to play minor league baseball. Reinstated yesterday as the sole winner of that year's Olympic decathlon and pentathlon by the IOC. Thorpe voted the greatest athlete of the first half of the 20th century by the Associated Press. Won the decathlon and pentathlon at the Stockholm Games, however, because he had played minor league baseball in 1909 and 10, earned a reported $2 per game, $35 a week. He was stripped uh, medals in 1913 for violating the amateurism rules. Think about uh, how those amateurism rules have decayed over yeah. the years. Yeah, they sure did with the uh, Dream Team back in 92. Wow. And but- again, you know, he, he, May have been an amateur uh, track star, but he you can should be able to be a professional in a different sport if you're an amateur in what you're competing. That's right. You know, one time in the SEC, if you went and played minor league baseball, you know, you signed and uh, you also uh, was on the varsity football team, you couldn't play in the SEC if you played a professional sport other than your sport. And so a lot of kids uh, would head to some of the smaller schools to play uh play football and uh i know for a fact uh bubby brister had signed with alabama out of high school uh from neville and then went to play minor league baseball he couldn't enroll in alabama and he went to tulane and played uh three years at tulane then transferred to northeast and was with the steelers and other teams in the national football league for 18 20 years i think bubby brister was he part of the team that won the super bowl against san diego uh, in 94 95 i think um, i think he I, I, I'm trying to recall. I know he had a Super Bowl ring. I know he won a Super Bowl ring, and uh, maybe uh, I know he played with the Steelers and played uh, was a good uh, uh, cardboard carrier, a clipboard carrier for many years. But uh, had had a pretty successful NFL career. Uh, still think he calls home uh, up in Monroe too, uh, Bubby Brister. So uh, just a little story there, but uh, just a strange uh, predicament back then. But now it's with the NIL, everybody's a professional. There you go. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much it. Not necessarily professional athlete. Correct. This is true. But uh, reap the rewards Mm -hmm. of the NIL, so to speak. Anyway, uh, Big Friday uh, here on uh, getting ready for the Breakfast Club with Lee K. Absolutely. I want to thank my sports sponsors, including LA Classic Roofing, Kane, Row Golf and Turf Club, Schwing Insurance, The Quarter Tavern, and Arsenal Ford.